This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Broadway is my beat was a radio crime drama on CBS from February of 1949 through to 1954, with Anthony Ross portraying Times Square detective Danny Clover. The series was broadcast from Hollywood, with producer Elliot Lewis directing the cast in scripts by Morton S. Fine and David Friedkin. Now, these two began their collaboration in writing in the 40s during the golden age of radio. They were known as the Dynamic Duo, wrote scripts for radio shows such as Bold Venture and Crime Classics. Its pair was a huge talent during the reign of old-time radio. They even wrote the pilot to the radio show Gunsmoke, which, of course, became a huge television hit later. Other great radio programs they wrote for include Suspense and many episodes of Escape. And uh, Fred Fine and Friedkin found their new niche, which they were quite successful. You can see their writing work in shows like Alfred Hitchcock Presents, Barnaby Jones, I Spy, Kojak, and The Streets of San Francisco. These shows all highlighted their amazing talent for scripting dialogue that was both exciting and developed the humanity of their characters. Let's hear their talents displayed in this episode of Broadway Is My Beat, entitled The Jimmy Dorn Case. Broadway Is My Beat. From Times Square to Columbus Circle, the gaudiest, the most violent, the lonesomest mile in the world. Broadway's My Beat, with Larry Thor as Detective Danny Cole. Broadway, where a pale and hungry girl walks like a queen because Broadway's a dream street. Where a fat man stands with begging eyes because he knows his dreams will never come true. It's a cry or a laugh, but nothing in between. Either way, it's my beat. On special detail, there are no special hours. Dawn was at the window of my office at police headquarters when I scribbled my last report. An out-of-town school teacher was trying to beat the heat by using Columbus Circle for a burlesque runway. <laughs> I buried that one behind a convenient fan. Bid the boys a farm bonjour and started home out the side entrance. I didn't make it. All I saw of sunrise was in an alley. The alley reserved for police ambulances coming home to the morgue. A voice stopped me and invited me in. Danny! Danny, come here! The man who stood silhouetted in the slice of light was a man who called himself Capek, the freelance photographer who hung around headquarters. You never knew he was there, but he always was. The quality of dawn, Danny. Who can hold it? Who can imprison it? It is the eternal enigma for a photographer. Why don't you go home then, Capek? 
What keeps you here? Uh, that ambulance, perhaps. Huh? You see, creative men like me have a devotion. It is always the same. Perfection. Everything neat and perfection. Oh, so that's what it is. I uh, watch that stretcher, Joe. Yeah, okay. Hiya, Danny. Hi, right, what do you got, boys? Uh, suicide. Guy jumped in front of an 8th Avenue subway. I didn't know anything about it. Well, not your department, Danny. See you later. See what I mean, Danny? Hmm? Neat and perfection. The man they're bringing in, for instance. What's neat about him? That was Jimmy Dorn. A Cinderella man who only the other day won $17,000 on the Irish Sweet Six. What? You must have read about him. How no newspaper, no newsreel could get a picture of him. Yeah, I remember. He was shy. I liked him for that. But I have a picture of him. Oh? Hmm? Dead or alive? Alive, of course. <laughs> Dead is for any hack with a brownie. Got it with you? Mind if I see it? No harm. I've already sold it to the news. Here. Here, look at it, Danny. Not the delicate play of light and shadow. The exquisite... This guy looks happy. I've never seen anybody look that happy. Because Capek took it at the moment of Jimmy Dorn's greatest joy. The supreme ecstasy of winning $17,000. To each his own. How did you get it when no one else could? Hmm. <laughs> the famous Capek pact. <laughs> it cost me $50 to arrange it. But the news paid me twice that. That much, huh? When Mr. Dorn committed suicide, it raised the price. <laughs> you see, in the newspaper game yeah. one that's not... Excuse me, Kate. Yeah. Danny Clover, give me the dope on a suicide name of Jimmy Dorn. Yeah, I know it's not my department. I'm nosy. Yeah. Yeah? Lily Dorn. Third Avenue. Okay, that's enough. You have to look, Danny. You smell something, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Be with you in a second, Keeper. Hello, Benny. Danny Clover. That Jimmy Dorn suicide. Tell the chief I'm going to look into it. Yeah, Benny, yeah, I, I know, but it bothers me. Sure, I'll grab some sleep on the subway. I asked you, Danny, you smell something, maybe? Why should a guy let a subway train make his wife a widow with 17000 orphan dollars? Why should all that sudden don't make him want to commit suicide? Mm, is it such a secret why men destroy themselves? Yeah, to me. It's not neat, K-Bank. It just ain't neat. Third Avenue is a tenement five stories high and miles long. At nine o'clock in the morning, it was going full blast. The elevated, housewives hunched in open windows, kids flipping pennies against the wall, and every seven minutes, it's free. Somewhere between Sam Chu's hand laundry, special attention paid to pleated dress shirts, and the Blue Star delicatessen, cream soda, and hot pastrami two-bits, somewhere between there was a doorbell. I pushed it. Yeah? What do you want? My name's Danny Clover. I want to see Mrs. Dorn. Suddenly, everybody wants to see Mrs. Dorn. Suddenly, I'm a popular lady. Suddenly, I'm... I'm from the police, Mrs. Dorn. You guys don't quit, do you? All right. Come on in. You want to know how it is to win $17,000? Is that what you want to know? Look, Mrs. Dorn, I'm sorry about your husband. Oh, sure. You can feel any way you like. Tell me about your husband. Jimmy? Yeah. I'll tell you about him. Jimmy didn't like people. He got afraid of them once, and he never got over it. Why? You know, I don't know. 
He was always running, and I ran with him. I was his wife, Mr. Clover. I didn't need to know any more than that. But maybe you understood why he refused to see any reporters when he won all that money. Listen. My husband was a frightened little man who won a sweepstakes. They bought him an obituary. That doesn't tell me much. This room tells me more. This rat hole. This room says that, doesn't it? Rat hole. I didn't say that, Mrs. Dorn. I'm talking about that circus poster on the wall. Patsy Mack presents the three whirling tornadoes. Was your husband a whirling tornado? You can go now, policeman. You said your questions. Now go. Brody, please. Why didn't you stay in that room? They can't do anything more to us now. Come right on in, mister. Who are you? I'm a clever boy. I don't win sweepstakes, but I stay alive. Yeah, real clever. Now, what about this circus poster? It covers the cracks in the plaster. Three whirling tornadoes. Three men riding motorcycles in a barrel. Mrs. Dorn, for a frightened man, your husband made a dangerous dollar. Look, I told you all I know. Maybe you ought to get out of here. Why should a poster come between us, Mrs. Dorn? We were getting along fine. You heard the lady, Copper. She's saying she's finished talking. That's right, Mrs. Dorn? Yes. What did you say? I said that's right. Maybe I should have let it alone got some sleep. But it kept eating at me. When I found out Jimmy Dorn rode a motorcycle in a barrel, everybody got unhappy. I don't like it when it gets unhappy. So I took a walk and found myself on Broadway in front of a tired building that has a lot of names. You take your choice. You walk up four flights and you get four offers. You're perfect for a fairy tale ballet that's opening in Europe. You make a stunning cover in a muscle magazine. Can you play first trumpet with a Bob Hawaiian outfit? If you got a song that's trying to be published, call it a slight fear song. And on the fifth floor, you find what you were looking for. The office of Patsy Mack, promoter, entrepreneur, and a dollar a guy. Well, it isn't Danny Clover. Hi, Patsy. You still pound the stem, Danny? Aren't you ever going to be promoted? <laughs> Promotion means a desk job away from Broadway. Who wants that? Yeah, I know what you mean. Can I give you something? Yeah, grape juice would be keen. I've got three fingers left of a bottle given me by a bearded lady who was enamored of my uh, social standing. <laughs> <laughs> It'll bring a smile to your lips. <laughs> you drink it, Patsy, and thank her for me, Patsy. Send her a dozen blue roses, uh, or is it red roses for a bearded lady? Yeah, I'll do that. She'll appreciate it. She loves delicacy. Uh, don't they all? Patsy, tell me a story. Okay. And <laughs> yeah, no, let me see. Who have you heard the one yeah. about... Yeah, tell me the one about the three whirling tornadoes. The three tornadoes? <laughs> what fond corner of your memory uh, clutched onto them? Tell me about them. Well, I don't remember much about them, Danny. They've been out of the business a long time. The three tornadoes, eh? Huh? Well, there were three of them. Thanks. There was no one else connected with them. Oh, no, no. The tornadoes ran their own carny. Toward the villages and the metropolises. Patsy, you've got a reputation for remembering every act that ever played a circus or carnival. What's their name? Oh, you put me on my metal, boy. Now, let me see. There was a, uh, let me see, a Jimmy Dorn. Dorn. Yeah, I think. Oh. Could he be the one who ended up under a subway this morning? I'll look into it. Who were the others, Patsy? Well, there was a fellow named, uh, let me see now, a Russian kind of a name, uh, Danilov. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Joe Danilov. Joe Danilov. And the third? Oh, now you're pressing me, boy. The third was a man named, uh, let me see. Brady? No, 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 no. Could it have been Brody? But Brody, Brody, that's it. Well, how'd you know, Danny? Brady, Brody, it's a short jump. Now, try real hard. 
You're sure there was no one else connected with the act? Well, now come to think of it, there was another guy. Yeah. He backed the show, I think. Oh, his name doesn't register, Danny. This guy whose name doesn't register. Was it you? Oh, oh are you kidding? <laughs> I had nothing to do with the tornado. Well, thanks, see. Thanks a lot. You're, you're a gentleman and a scholar, Patsy. And a liar. <laughs> I left Patsy there waving his job nothing, which was about what I had. Nothing. An ex-carnival performer wins $17,000 and dies under the wheels of a subway train. They say he jumped. Why should he do a fatal thing like that? Why should Patsy lie to me? A one-sheet poster said, Patsy Mack presents the three whirling tornadoes. Patsy had just told me he had nothing to do with the tornadoes. Well, there's another guy I know in another place I know. His name's Pop, and he takes care of the file room of a magazine. Magazine that tells a lot about people. Especially the people are show people. The file room was deserted except for Pop. What you doing down here, Danny? Wrangling, Pop. Oh, you don't have to hide that comic book from me. <laughs> my wife packs it with my lunch, Dan. Now you take this one. Yeah. Sandra, the jungle queen. <laughs> Ain't she a honey? <laughs> Makes a man with me. Yeah, she's keen. What are you holding on a guy named Joe Danilo, Pop? Take a second to find out. How was that name again? Danilov, Pop. D for Doll, A for Avenue, N for... Uh, Avenue N? Yeah, Avenue N, Pop. Yeah, I got it. Only, uh, you didn't spell it right, Denny. You didn't let me finish. Didn't need to. Here's the file on Joe Danilov, all right. Only it's D for dead. Let me see that. Joe Danilov, ex-carnival performer, a member of the Three Tornadoes, was found dead today at the bottom of an elevator shaft. Danilov left no survivors, his wife having died a year ago. Uh, Hey. Hey, how about this? How about what? Listen, a week before his death, Danilov came out of obscurity to win a cross-country motorcycle race with a purse of $1,000. So he made funeral expenses. That's hot news, huh? Last night, another man, a man named Jimmy Dorn, came out of obscurity to win a lot of money. He died, too. Two whirling tornadoes all played out, one after another. You know something, Danny? What? I don't know what you're talking about. I'm sorry, Pop. I was playing with a jigsaw puzzle. Well, you sit right down there and do just that. I'm going upstairs for some coffee. You want some? Hmm? Coffee, Daddy. Want some? Yeah, your coffee. Be nice, Pop. I'll just be a few minutes. Don't let anybody kidnap Sandra the jungle. Yeah, yeah. Two whirling tornadoes. The third one named Brody. Maybe you'll blow away, too. Brody and the bitter widow Dawn and Patsy Mack, the sweet guy who told lies. That's you, Pop. Oh. I never knew what it was that slugged me on the back of my head. It wasn't a comic book. And whoever did it wasn't Pop. Just before I hit the floor, I had a flash. It wasn't Sandra the Jungle Queen either. You are listening to Broadway's My Beat with Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover. A number of paying guests mysteriously disappear. Two elderly spinsters who entertain them have a suspiciously rising bank account. And it's a murder farm story for Casey, crime photographer, to explore on CBS Tonight. Also on CBS Tonight, you'll hear the network's famous series, Escape, in place of suspense, while suspense is on summer leave of absence. Tonight's opener on Escape will be John Russell's famous story, The Fourth Man, a tale of a Pacific Islander adrift on a raft with three murderous companions. 
Be sure to hear Murder Farm on Crime Photographer and The Fourth Man on Escape tonight. They come to you on most of these same CBS stations. And now back to Broadway's My Beat. You win a lot of money or die violently or do both, and Broadway will know all about you. You get your name and your picture in the morning editions. Then Broadway won't care anymore. But I care. Maybe it's because I've got a cop's curious mind, but it bothered me why Jimmy Dawn died. So I made it my personal business. And so far, business was rotten. I was on my back when Pop brought me to. It took a little longer to find out that the press clippings I was looking at weren't around. <laughs> That's a new one. Roll for some old press clippings. This needed thinking. To think a cop's got to eat. To eat, there's a classy sidewalk cafe on the corner of Broadway and 47th where you stand up to a hot dog and a cup of coffee that dares you. I threw a lump of sugar at it when someone tapped me on the shoulder. Hello, Danny. Mind if I join you? Oh, K-Pig, not at all. Grab a napkin. Danny, somehow you look unsymmetrical today. What happened to your head? I had it done over. Oh, you detectives always intruding yourselves into violence and danger. Who did it, Dan? Person or persons unknown. Well, you should go home and get some rest. Yeah, what about you, Keeper? Don't you get any sleep either? <laughs> I am a vain man, Danny. I've been waiting for the noon edition of the news to come out. It has the picture I took of Jimmy Dawn. Look at it, Danny. Yeah. Is it not a magnificent reproduction? Yeah, it's quite a picture. How'd you catch the expression? Well, for an artist like me, it is a matter of precise timing. But somehow... I feel the caption beneath this picture is not right. What do you mean? I feel the caption should not read suicide. It should read murder. Oh? Makes you say that. I have captured death in my pictures for a long time, Danny. This is the face of a man whom death was about to touch with murder, not with suicide. You talk prettier, but you think like a cop. The elements for murder are three, Danny. A widow with $17,000, perhaps a boyfriend, and... Wait a minute, Danny. Where are you going? You haven't touched your... I'm going to make a call. So you can't eat first? Who calls on a rich widow with onions in his breath? Hey, you up there. You who? You at the window. Who, me? Yeah, you. Oh, hello. Hello. Mrs. Dorn, isn't she home? You want somebody, mister? Mrs. Dorn, I've been ringing your bell. Where is she? You know where Mrs. Dorn went? There's no light downstairs. Her? Yeah, her. Oh, sure, she had a date for across the street. What? For across the street, mister. The Eagle Tavern. I saw her go in there with a guy. The Eagle Tavern took up 40 front feet of sidewalk, and its insides were designed to take up thousands of man hours of loneliness. Right now, there were only three lonely people. The bartender, Mrs. Dorn, and Brody. Mrs. Dorn and Brody were standing at the end of the bar trying real hard. I hated to do it, but I decided to ruin their evening for them. You don't know when to quit, do you, Clover? Why do you keep coming around? Like I was saying, Mrs. Dorn. What are you drinking, Mac? Nothing, nothing at all. Yeah, you can nurse that a long time. Mr. Clover, look, please, we don't want any trouble. We got all the... It's this way, Mrs. Dorn. A long time ago, a man named Joe Danilov fell down an elevator shaft and was killed. Seems like he was nobody until he won a motorcycle race. Then he got his name in the papers. Then he died. What does that do to you? What should it do to us? I'll try a refresher. Joe Danilov was a whirling tornado. He belonged in your husband's act, Mrs. Dorn. Try to react on that. I don't know what you're talking about. You got your reaction, Clover. Now blow. Mrs. Dorn, you know your husband just might have been murdered. 
No. Try it, Mrs. Thorne. Consider it. You've got no manners at all. All you've got is a loose mouth. Wait a minute, Brody. The man said somebody might have killed Jimmy. Do you think so, Brody? Ah, this guy's trying to put poison in your brain, Lily. Don't listen to him. You think I shouldn't, huh? Why should you listen to you, Brody? Go read a book, copper. Go read a book and find out why I should hang around a woman who's married to my best friend, Jimmy Dawn. Maybe you're waiting for him to die. He did, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. I never thought of it before. Jimmy's dead, and that makes you number one boy to a lady who just inherited $17,000. That'll teach you, Lily. That'll teach you not to talk like that. Talking a woman's easy, Brody. This will be a little... Hey, what are you doing? Hey, you can't play in here. Stop it! I'm running a decent joint. Stop it! Stop it! <laughs> Lily, I'm sorry. Don't cry, Please don't. Talk to him, Brody. Tell him what he wants to know. Tell him what you never told me. What happened back there ten years ago? Why were you and Jimmy always fighting? Tell him, Brody. Take off, copper. You've done your bit. Take off and feel filthy about the whole thing. Sure, only you fascinate me, Brody. If you didn't shove Jimmy Dorn in front of a subway train, what keeps you alive? First Joe Danilo, then Jimmy. There's hardly a breeze left of the three whirling tornadoes. What's keeping you alive, Brody? Now there was a guy I just had to see. Capex. There was a chance he had taken more than one picture of Dorn. Maybe in the background I'd see a familiar face. Out in Sea Beach near Coney Island, I found the door with Capex's name on it. It's you, Danny. Come in, come in, well, I didn't come want to in. disturb you, Capex, but I wondered if you took any more pictures of Dorn besides the one that ran in the news. Oh, I am not like other photographers, Danny, who take dozens of pictures to get one good one. I take only one, and it is always perfection. So the one in the news is the only one. Yes. It, uh, it is important that there should be other ones. Uh, it might have been. Quite a gallery you have on the wall. Yes, yes. Come look, Danny. Come look. This one, Danny. This this girl who looks like a tired angel on a lonesome street. Yeah, nice. And look, and, and this one, a derelict asleep in the gutter. It, it has the texture and the lighting of a Rembrandt, though. Uh, like a man of your talent could live in a penthouse with dancing. <laughs> Why do you live here? Hmm. I get some of my best results here. Yeah, everybody gets some. Hey, you must have got there fast for this picture. Oh, that one, yes. Well, you know my deal with the police. The minute anything violent happens, I go out with you. I get a picture. You get a body. Who was it? That is a man who was once Joe Danilov. Danilov, huh? Yes. I, I, I took this picture just after he fell down the elevator shaft. The mood of finality was magnificent. Very dramatic, I think. Danilov was one of the three whirling tornadoes. Did you know that? So... Well, to me, Danilov was simply a man who fell down into space and died. The picture captures the sensation, don't you think? The down-sweeping lines, the shadows like a dark caress, the broken form like some, some grotesque passion. Everything needs everything. I don't think Capek even saw me open the door and leave. It's a long subway ride and a transfer back to Broadway. Coming up from an underground of naked concrete into the flare of 49th Street, well, there's, there's a magic to it. I didn't have time to enjoy it. I had a job to do and a chance to take. And the chance paid off. Patsy Mack was in his office working late. Okay, Danny, so I lied here about my connection with the tornadoes. And why not? First Joe Daniloff, then Jimmy Dorn. 
Next may be me. Why should I take a chance? They were accidents, the people said. Oh, not just accidents. Danny, not that kind. Tell me, Patsy. Why do you think you'll be next? I don't know. It just looks like everybody connected with the tornadoes is written down in a little black book. Tell me more, Patsy. This time I'm leveling, Danny. Once I managed the tornadoes, but I dropped them like they were a basket of snakes. Why? What did they do? Remember? I told you there was another guy, their backer? Yeah. Well, he got sick. He went to a sanitarium. While he was there, the tornadoes robbed him of everything he ever had. All three of them did that. Yes. Danilov, Brody, and Jimmy Dorn. Danilov and Dorn are gone. That leaves only Brody. Plus the widow Dorn and 17,000 bucks. Were you ever in a sanitarium, Patsy? No. But they might put me away for slugging a cop. Oh, what do you want me to do, Danny? Cross my heart and hope to die? Something easier than that. Use your phone for me. Anything for a friend, Danny. But you are my friend, aren't you, Danny? Call Billboard for me. Oh, what? Personal ad, Patsy. A personal ad on the front page where a guy in the show business would be sure to see it. You phrase it. Phrase what? Just this. Anyone connected with the act, the whirling tornadoes, meet at the entrance to Crescent Midway on Coney Island tomorrow night at 11. Have information to wind up affairs of the tornadoes. Phone that in, Patsy. Because you say so, friend? Because the police say so. And Patsy... Yeah? Sign your name to it. So I had it all set up. This case had murder in it. And I was pretty sure I knew who the murderer was. It was a matter of supplying a pigeon. That was me. The next day, two things happened. The ad was on the front page of Billboard, and rain came. When I hit Coney Island 10.30 that night, it was a wet desert. Neon reflections and stragglers and empty rides. The place was shadows on field paint and shadows on shadows. I had to spot the killer before he spotted me. So I picked one of the darkest places under the framework of the roller coaster and walked into it. I really walked into it. Danny! It's such a night you picked to enjoy Coney Island. On a night like this, it is a dismal alley. I'm in a dismal mood, Capek. That gun you're holding doesn't make it any brighter. It gives me the bravery to give orders to a policeman. You shoot me, you'll be out of character, Capek. How are you going to make it look like an accident? I have other ideas. First, I put my gun in my hand in my pocket. Now I say to you, let's go. Walk, Danny. Walk. You know, Capek, I think you loused up the job. A long time ago, you told me everything was neat and perfection. You forgot to tell me you put up the door for the whirling tornadoes before you went to the sanitarium. So? So you killed Danilov and Dorn. But Brody gets away, huh? Brody and time, policeman. But first, you and I take a ride on a roller coaster. Yeah. I was wondering how you'd manage it. Neat and perfection, Danny. Now get on. I'll pay for the tickets when the ride is over. In here, Danny. You get in this first car. I'll sit in the car behind you. How are you going to work this, Capek? You going to slug me and heave me over? Like I said, you can't shoot me. Then it wouldn't look like an accident. In a few seconds, when we get to the top, you will see. And I'll keep your hands to your sides, Danny. That's better. Can you get a picture of this one, too, Capek? When we get to the top, you will see. The top was two seconds away. Now, Danny, stand up. Stand up. I stood up. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw him rise, See, too. I'm Take the gun out of his like pocket. It's barrel Danny. in his fist. His arm came up in a wide arc, and that was the break I was waiting for. His body arched forward to strike. I twisted, grabbed his hand and elbow, and... Whew! Let go! Let go me, Danny!
How long can a roller coaster ride last? Long enough. Long enough to piece together the jagged edges of some frightened lives. Danilov and Dorn murdered. Murdered because they crossed a twisted man named Kepa. Brody and Patsy Knight hugging the shadows because they were afraid of Capex revenge. And Lily Dorn with a handful of dust and dollars. You pay for the ride here, mister. Hey, you didn't take that ride all by yourself. Yeah. A little while later, an ambulance came and picked up the dead, broken body of Capex. They took a picture of him, too. I caught a ride back to Broadway in a prowl car. It stretches out in front of you, this street called Broadway, like a midway to some cruel and fantastic circus. And you're the performer. You can walk the high wire or play it safe in a cage. Me? I guess my dodge is the wire. The gaudiest, the most violent, the lonesomest mile in the world. Broadway. My beat. Broadway's My Beat, with Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover, is produced and directed by Gordon T. Hughes, with script by Morton Fine and David Friedkin. Musical direction is by Lud Bluffkin. Be sure to join us again next week, same time, same station, for Broadway's My Beat. In just a few minutes on most of these same CBS stations, you'll be hearing the familiar strains of Someday I'll Find You. And the action, as you know, starts with Mr. Keene, the famed tracer of lost persons. A top-rating detective throughout radio's fall, winter, and spring seasons, Mr. Keene will be on hand all summer. So don't miss uh, one of his great cases these Thursday nights on CBS. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for Life with Luigi next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for the little immigrant from Italy to write another letter to Mama. Yes, it's Life with Luigi and the story of Luigi's first car. We invite you to enjoy life. Life with Luigi, a new comedy show created by Cy Howard and starring that celebrated actor, Mr. J. Carroll Nash, with Alan Reed as Pasquale. A year ago, when Luigi Vasco left Italy to start his new life in America, he promised his mother that he would write and tell her about his adventures. So now let's read Luigi's letter as he writes to Mama Vasco in Italy. Dear Mamma Mia, 
America is a land with a very high standard of a living. Everybody is saving the money so he can buy a refrigerator, a washing machine, a dishwasher, and a vacuum cleaner. Seems like everybody here has got these things. People who can afford it, they buy. People who cannot afford it, they go on a quiz program. <laughs> Another big American thing. Everybody has got a car. They got all kinds of here. There's a sedans, the trailers, the trucks. And Americans are so rich that they even got a car for chickens. That's called the coop. <laughs> a car is a wonderful thing. Do you remember, Mama, me in the old country during the war? How American boys had taken me for driving as a car? Well, it wasn't exactly a car. It was something like a cement mixer. <laughs> and he used to call it a jeep. <laughs> Mama mia, how that car is a shape. Remember once how we go for a ride? Me and Uncle Pietro and his goat. And when we come back, I'm losing my watch. <laughs> Uncle Pietro is losing his teeth. <laughs> and the goat is refused to give a milk for three days. Since that time, I'm always the one to own my own car. And after one year, I'm going to save $100, and now I'm going to make my dream come true. Of course, with $100, I'm not going to afford the new 1949 car. I'm going to have to be satisfied with a 48. <laughs> but right now is the time for my night school class, so I'm going to go and ask my teacher, Miss Paulding, for advice about the buying a car. <laughs> All right, let's come to attention. I'll call the roll. Mr. Basco? Present. Mr. Howitt? Present. Mr. Olson? Present. Mr. Schultz? Absent. <laughs> Mr. Schultz, you're present. Why do you say absent? I just want to create a sensation. Oh, thank you, fellow boobers. Thank you. All right, Mr. Schultz, you can stop bowing. Now, class, our lesson... Oh, yes, Mr. Basco, what is it? Well, Mr. Spaulding, today's a big day in my life. And I'm like so much if the classes are helping me. Oh, certainly, Mr. Basco. What is it? Well, today I'm going to buy my own car. A car? A... Oh, no, it's a big shot. A big shot is an explosion. Class, <laughs> please. Mr. Basco, why don't you wait until after the bell? I'm sure one of your classmates can help you in the selection of a car. Now, class, our lesson for today is spelling. And we are going to study words which contain letters that we don't pronounce. Now, Mr. Basco, will you volunteer to spell the word knife? A knife. K-N-I-F. The E is a silent. Not exactly. Mr. Schultz, will you try? I try, but I don't give a guarantee. <laughs> nice. A B. Just a moment, Mr. Schultz. <laughs> there is no B in nice. This is a Boy Scout knife. <laughs> Class, I will spell the word. K-N-I-F-E. K-N-I-F-E. That's Kniffy. <laughs> no, the word is nice. K is the silent letter. K is always silent in front of N. Is that so? What about Knuckle? <laughs> now, will someone in the class give us an example of another word with a silent letter? Oh, yes, Mr. Olson? Yeah. <clears throat> in the sentence, I mash my teeth. Nash is spelled G-M-A-S-H, and the E is silent preceding the N. <laughs> oh, what a show-off. If I was so smart, I'd shoot myself. <laughs> please, Mr. Schultz, please. That was excellent, Mr. Olson. 
Excuse me, Miss Pauling. I'm always know that the Nash has a silent motor, but uh, this is silent the G is in the 49 model too. <laughs> now that's the kind of fella I like. That's a dumbbell. <laughs> No, no, Mr. Basco. I can see you can't get your mind off cars. Uh, can anyone here tell Mr. Basco where to get a car? Luigi? Uh, how about Louis the lunatic? That's right, Luigi. You go right down to Automobile Row on Dearborn Street. Dearborn Street? Yeah, yeah, but you've got to be careful with these dealers, you know. They are all sharpshooters. On account of them, my brother Ludwig got the best buy in his life. In three years, he's never had a flat, never had to change a spark plug, never uses any oil, no trouble at all. What did he buy? A horse and wagon. <laughs> I'm getting a little tired of your... Oh, oh, sometimes they act like a lot of little school children. To knock boys. <laughs> Excuse me, mister. I'm going to like to buy a car here. Yes, sir. You've picked the right line. I got just what you want. 2300 2700 3500 Anything you like, drive it right out. How much do you want to spend? $100. Well, <laughs> well, come on over here around the back. We might find something for you. All right. Ah, now, there we are. Here is a fine selection of cars around the $100 class. Ah, nice, eh? It looks just like a museum. <laughs> yeah. Well, now, let's see. Just what kind of a car do you have in mind? How, how about a convertible, eh? Do you like to drive with the top down? No, I'm always a wear a hat. <laughs> well, uh, how about this car here? Do you like it? It's an old. No, that's a too old. <laughs> hey, mister, did you ever drive a car before? Well, a long time ago in the older country. Oh, I... You see, I'm not too long from Italy. I see. Well, now, buddy, I got just the car for you. <laughs> yes, sir, here it is, a stunt. Hardly been used in the last 32 years. <laughs> Well, look at the dashboard. Only 5,000 miles. And I'm the original guy who pushed back the speedometer. Pretty <laughs> good, huh? Oh, it's sensational. Not like any ordinary car, you know. This car is different. No windshield, no bumpers, no radio, no heater, no spare tire, no fuel pump, no radiator. Just a good, honest set of used parts. <laughs> now, I'm not so sure that you've got the money. If you've got it... Put up or shut up. That's the American way. Well, sure, sure. I got the money here. Well, that's the ticket. One hundred old dollar bills. We've been waiting for you. Here's a bill of sale. Sign right here. You got a driver's license? No, but I can drive. Okay, then drive right down to City Hall. Get a learner's permit. Hop in. That's right. We stand behind every car we sell. Only way we can push him off the lot. Get set. Goodbye. All right. <laughs> Goodbye. Mama Mia, we're going to fight. Three, four to five miles an hour. <laughs> Hello, Luigi. Hello, hello. 
want to pass Friday's second look. What do you think? What's happening, Luigi? You got a job in a circus? <laughs> what are you talking about, Pasquale? I was just to buy myself a car. What does it look like? How many guesses do you give me? Are uh, you just saying that because I didn't need any help from you? No help from me, eh? Hey, Luigi, why are you putting those two blocks under the front wheel? That's an invention emergency, Brick. <laughs> Pasquale, I know it's not the best car, but at least it's all the mine. Now I can drive down the street and everybody's to say, Look, Luigi. He's a look like a real American. Yeah, and this is a car you look like a real American. A Buffalo Bill. <laughs> uh, tell me something, Luigi. You got auto insurance? Auto insurance? What's that? Well, it's like a life insurance. Oh. So you don't get paid until the car dies. <laughs> Looking under your car, I'm thinking somebody's already collected. <laughs> Then, I, then I'm an only the insurance. Oh, but there's insurance you've got to have that's much more important. That's for accidents. There's a single indemnity, that's if you hit a one person. Then there's a double indemnity, that's if you hit a twin. <laughs> but Pasquale, I'm not going to hit anybody. What are you talking about? you got a car? Use it. <laughs> but Pasquale, I'm just spending all of my money on my car. I'm not going to afford this insurance. Oh, Luigi, that's so bad. Terrible. Tell me, little man, you got an operator's license? What a Pasquale, what for? I'm an operator license. I'm not going to work for the phone company. <laughs> I can show how stupid you are. Operator license is a mean when you hit somebody, you got a license to operate on them right away. <laughs> and you ain't got that either. Oh, Pasquale, all I'm got is a learner's permit and a book of rules to study. What am I going to do? I should never have bought a car without asking you advice first. Now, that's the first the smartest thing I've heard since we started talking. <laughs> Luigi, when I'm going to see you look so sad, my heart is melted like a parmesan and a cheese and a hot spaghetti. <laughs> you know what I'm going to do for you? What, the Pasquale? I'm going to pay for you auto insurance. I'm going to see to it. You get your operator license, your driver license. Oh. And instead of this old jalopy, I'm going to buy you a brand new car. Pasquale, you're going to do all of this for me. But why? Because I'm in love with you, you little pumpkin head. <laughs> with eyes like a two pumpkin seeds and a nose haggardy like a banana. <laughs> oh, stop it, Pasquale. You're making me blush in the street. And now that I'm going to do you a little favor, maybe you do me a little favor. <laughs> favor? What the favor you want I should do for you? Well, while you down at City Hall and getting your driver's license and your operator's license, Maybe you go to the next window and get a one or more license. Well, sure, Pasquale. What the kind of license you want I should get? Marriage license for my daughter, Rosa. <laughs> no, Pasquale, I'm not going to marry Rosa. She's a too fat for me. Luigi, it's a no fair to call a girl a fat just because she's a happen to weigh 240 pounds. Two fifty. <laughs> what do you say? I say two fifty. I say two forty. She said, don't have a supper yet. <laughs> hey, Luigi, do me a favor. Just marry Rosa for a little while. You'd be surprised how my little flower she's going to grow out of you. Pasquale, I'm a no flower pastor. <laughs> All right, you big stupid. And now I'm going to tell you something. They're never going to give you a driver license with that old wreck you bought. No? No, you're lucky if you stay out of jail. Jail? Sure. When you start driving through the streets like a crazy man, chasing the people down the cellars and up the roofs and running for their lives, you know what it's going to say in a newspaper headline? What? Chicago's a hit to buy a new Adam above. <laughs> Mamma mia, I'm just start out to buy a car, and now I'm lucky if America doesn't declare a war on me. 
And now for the second act of Luigi Basco's adventures in Chicago, we turn to page two of his letter to his mother in Italy. So, Mamma Mia, although I'm realizing my big ambition to own a car like a real American, I'm afraid it's going to bring me a lot of trouble. Pasquale is to say my car is a look so terrible, I'm never going to get driver's license, so I'm going to try to fix it up. I'm going to shine up with the car nice and clean with the two cans of his shoe polish. Also, I'm going to put a wallpaper on the inside. <laughs> and to make it a car look more expensive, I'm going to paint a spare tire on the back. <laughs> but still, I'm having a lot of trouble with a car. Three times a day, the street cleaning department has tried to take it away. <laughs> Biggest trouble I'm having is reading the ruler book and trying to learn the traffic rules for my driving test. Mamma mia, what's the rule? Put a hand out to for left to turn, a hand out to for right to turn, a hand out to for a stop, a hand out to for a go. Mamma mia, this is a book must be for a man with a four hand. <laughs> so I'm sitting here studying when it suddenly has opened up my door. Luigi, my friend, I was just passing by and I had to stop in. I just saw your car outside and I congratulate you on making such a wonderful deal. Oh, thank you, sure. <laughs> How much did the man pay you for taking it off his lot? <laughs> So please, I'm paying a man $100 for this car. $100? So, do you think I was stuck? Stuck? Luigi, you were harpooned. <laughs> With a car like that, I got only one piece of advice for you. What's that? Keep moving, because if you ever stop, people will think you are in an accident. <laughs> well, I got to go now. Goodbye, Luigi. <laughs> Goodbye, sure. Well, Luigi, cheer up. Smile. Nothing in this world is worth crying about. For a short time, I'm spending my life down on a bad car, and I'm gonna go today for a drive and a test. I'm not gonna understand the rules, and all that's left for me is to marry Pasquale's daughter, Rosa. If you was in my place, what would you do? Himmel, would I let out a scream? <laughs> well, Luigi, I really got to go now. Now, come on, Luigi, be like me, always happy. Smile, smile! <laughs> my rheumatism is killing <laughs> Mamma mia, another hour I gotta take my driving test. Well, I better look in this traffic ruler book and study some more rules. To make the left hand turn, turn into the lane to the right of the center, turning into the roadway. <laughs> but to do not turn. <laughs> Mamma mia, I'm gonna think I'm gonna lost at the last turn. <laughs> well, I read it some more. To make the left inter. Hello, Luigi, my little friend and my countryman. What's new with you? Huh? Pasquale, are you mad at me no more? Me? I'm mad at you? Why, Luigi, shame on you. You should have known me better than that. You know, there's two sides to my face. If one side is mad out of you, the other side is glad out of you. You know that. You're so right, Pasquale. That's why everybody is calling you two-faced. <laughs> It's a funny thing, and when I'm saying it, it come out a different. <laughs> hey, Luigi, what's that the pamphlet you're reading? Well, Pasquale, I gotta go for drivers a test in an hour, and I'm studying the rules so I should have passed. Luigi, I'm gonna help you out. Nobody's to know more about a driver's a test than me. I'm gonna take it a ten times. <laughs> then maybe you can tell me, Pasquale, 
All through this book is this word. Vecca. V-E-H-I-C-L-E. Ooh, Luigi, you lucky you got me to explain to you. That's a vehicle. That's a mean a car what's a drunk. That's, a, that's a what they call auto intoxication. There's a lot I can teach you. Now, say you drive in a car, you hit a man inside his home. What's this to call? What? Home in the side. <laughs> punishment is to go for that. Very big. They stamp on your license. Must wear glasses. Oh, Pasquale, thank you. Maybe now I have a chance to pass. Tell me, what do you mean by zone? That's a simple. Driving a car is like a game. It's three kind of zones. T-zone, free zone, and end zone. <laughs> if you hit a man in the T-zone, he's not going to smoke no more. <laughs> If you hit him in the end of zone, they push your car back to five yards. What's to the free zone? That's meaning you can park for nothing. <laughs> now take the traffic lights. There's a green light that's for go, there's a red light that's for stop. What's to the yellow light for? That's for women to drive. They can do whatever they want. <laughs> Pasquale, thanks so much for your help. Don't mention it. Luigi, you just give these answers like I'm going to tell you, and you're going to be fixed up for good. Next applicant. Pardon me, mister. You've been waiting here for two hours. What are you waiting for? Well, you've been calling for people who want an applicant. I'm waiting till you call the people who want the driver's license. Oh, I see. Well, take your learned permit to booth seven over there, and the inspector will give you your test. Thank you very much. Booth seven. Oh, there it is. Mamma mia, how am I going to drive my car in that little booth? <laughs> oh, excuse me, mister. Uh, have a seat. You got your call outside? Yes. All right, now I'll ask you a few routine questions. First, uh, explain your hand signal. Sure. To make a signal, you got to stick out to your left hand. First, you got to let the window down. <laughs> left hand is a single right to turn, left to turn, and a pass. That's the width of the palm down. The palm down? When do you stick your hand out with the palm up? Only when you want to see if it's a rainer. <laughs> Sure, you can drive a car. Sure, I'm sure. Well, let's go on outside for the road test. All right. Hi oh, there. There's my car over there. Is that your car? Uh huh. I think we have a law covering that. <laughs> Let me look in my book under the C. Condemned. <laughs> they must have overlooked this model. Well, let's get in. Uh, does this car always sag like this? Oh, no. Only when a people is a sit in it. Okay, start it up. Choke it, choke it. Choke it, so when am I going to grab it? Pull the choke out there. Oh. All right, it's out, and I wish should I put it. Oh, brother. Step on the gas. 
the cars are gone. You see it to what? If it's too windy for you, I'm a stop and a put in the windshield. <laughs> Never mind. This is like going through D-Day again. <laughs> yeah, all right, there's a sign. It says no U-turn. What does that mean? Well, that's the simple. It says no U-turn. That's to mean it's a my turn. <laughs> There's a stop sign. You want I should have stopped? I dare you. <laughs> of course, stop. Stop right on the corner of First Street. All right. <laughs> I said First Street, not Second Street. <laughs> well, I was a close. <laughs> Is it not so good, huh? Well, watch me on a signal. see that car behind you? Where's your rear vision mirror? What the fuck I need the rear mirror? If I'm going to want to see who's behind me, I'm going to look back like it is. Hey, look out! <laughs> Mamma mia, the car is a stop and the inspector is to keep on going. <laughs> All right, Mr. Basco, the test is over. You ride back, I'll walk. <laughs> but the Why? I'd be happy to drive you back into my car. What are you, a sadist? <laughs> it's a nice day. The sun is shining. I got a wife and four kids. I'll walk. Well, all right, you walk. I'm a driver. When you get there, wait for me. <laughs> Too bad. And he was doing so well. <laughs> Luigi, my friend. Hello, Lu... Luigi, what are you doing with that steering wheel in your hand? Pasquale, I'm just taking my driver's test. Luigi, look at you. Hair is all mussed up, the clothes are dirty and a torn, face all banged up, you're walking with a limp. You don't look like a driver, you look like a pedestrian. <laughs> What's happened? It's all mixed up. All I know is when I was driving back to the license bureau myself, a car is a come after me. I'm a signal for a stop. I'm a put out the boat in my hand, but it's a big crash. Oh, Luigi. It is all my fault. I put my left hand out of the left window, but to my right hand it wasn't long enough to reach the other window. Neither you get your driver's license. But, well, not only am I not to get my license, but they take away my learner's permission. They say I'm a no can drive for at least one year. And I'm not allowed to walk in the streets for two days. Oh, Luigi, Luigi, how could one man get himself into so much trouble? Believe me, Pasquale, it's not easy. <laughs> what am I going to do? Man who's kind of ahead is to say he's going to sue me for everything I'm got. Worse than that, Luigi. Man has probably got a 20 years of life on his shoulders. That means he can get you 20 years of the life. Mamma mia, Pasquale, save me, please. Luigi, don't beg. I'm going to help you out of everything. I'm even going to buy you a new car so you still can be proud like an American. Just to do me one favor. <laughs> All right, Pasquale, I'll marry your daughter. Well, say it like you mean it. Go ahead, she's awake. Now call her yourself. All right. Right. <laughs> Russia. Put it 
some feeling in her. Right, sir. Yes, my little angel. You love us, the call of you himself. Rosa, say hello to Luigi. Hello, Luigi. Hello, Rosa. Rosa, poor little Luigi was just in a terrible auto accident. What do you say to him? <laughs> Luigi, you want a band-aid? Oh, shut up your face. <laughs> Well, my children, I'm going to give you my blessing, and we're going to tell everybody... Oh, Mr. Basso, I'm so glad I found you in. Mama may that's the matter with the car I'm a hit. I'm going to fix everything, mister. Oh, are you his attorney? Well, look, I admit everything. It was all my fault. I'm, I'm willing to make amends. But uh, I had no right to be driving that car. I had no driver's license, no permits, nothing. But, sir... Uh, this has taught me a terrible lesson. Mr. Basso, I'm prepared to pay for my mistake if you promise not to press suit. I'm not to press suit. Oh. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm always a senator Taylor. Now, Mr. Basco, let's settle this whole thing right here. I'm willing to pay you whatever that car is worth, say, uh, uh, $500. Oh, no. $1,000? No, no, no. Okay, you've got me against the wall. How much do you want for the car? $100. Well, here, take it, and thank you very much. Wait, another so fast, this is something else. What's the matter? Were you hurt? I got a hold of my pencil from the accident. It's going to cost you 40 cents for the patch. Here and thank you. And good night. But, uh, well, Pasquale, thank you for teaching me about a traffic rule. Your assistant. But, uh, Luigi, what a fall you sticking out of your hand now? I'm making a right to turn the back to my store. But what about a rose? A butt to Luigi. Goodbye, a butt. <laughs> Be sure to listen next week at this time over most of these stations when Luigi Basco writes another letter to his mama Basco describing his adventures in America. Life with Luigi is a Cy Howard production that is written by Mac Benoff and Lou Demon and directed by Mac Benoff. J. Carol Nash has starred as Luigi Basco with Alan Reed as Pasquale. Hans Conry the Schultz and Mary Ship as Miss Baldwin. Music is under the direction of Lynn Murray. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll be with me next week as I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell, Paul Stringer, and Justin Eacock for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.